how brave you are to say, yes, I will do it, Lord, no matter how hard it is. Um, and so that's what you have to realize when you go through hard things in your life. This is what the Lord has put before you. And you can either sit down and you can lick your wounds and you can cry about it all day, or you can get up and bring honor and glory to the Lord through your story. And I, that's exactly what Liz has done. And um, I've seen growth out of her. Um, just I heard her testimony for the first time a couple years ago at a New Beginnings conference. And um, it was still the same, but yet the ending is just, is you see the Lord work in, in, our, in our struggle and the suffering. You know, we have to suffer. That's, that's how he, that's where he is. That's where Jesus is. He's not, he's not in your mountaintop. You know, he's not, he, that, it's, it's in your darkest moments that he comes in. And, and sometimes you feel alone and you think that you're the, that he's the, he, like no one else knows or no one else cares. But that's where the Lord does his work. And, you know, that you always hear things like, you know, you're pruned. Um, and it's like a, someone's like taking a rose bush. If you people have rose bushes, I have a couple rose bushes and they're beautiful. And so I hate to prune them because, you know, you have to cut off the, sometimes some really beautiful roses to, to get them to grow more. Um, it's a hard process. It's a painful process. But what comes out of that is beautiful and it's growth. And so my journey started four years ago, um, and it was, it, was, uh, it was rough because not only did I find myself in grief, grieving my dad, <clears throat> I found myself in a four, an, an addiction four years ago. It was a secret one. No one knew about it. They probably had an idea of it, but they just never had confronted me or anything like that. And so right after my dad passed away, a couple days after his funeral, um, my hardest thing was the process of understanding that my dad was no longer on this earth. I couldn't, I couldn't believe that. I kept saying to the Lord, I cannot believe that he is not on this earth. And I would say that over and over and over again. And so one night I was standing outside and I heard the Lord, not audibly, but in my thoughts, he said, we're done. We're done with the pills. And I didn't want to be there. I had cried out to him so many times to rescue me, but I could not get through detox. I'd try to detox myself, tried to quit taking them, but just could not. I wasn't strong enough to get through it because if you've, if you've been an addict and you've went through detox, it's hell on earth. It's the flu times 50 and you're nauseous and everything. And so I couldn't, I wasn't strong enough to get through it. So I felt in my, for myself that I was, I was a slave to my sin. I was captive. And I was never going to escape it. I thought, I have done, I've gone too far. There's just no help in order. And I wouldn't, didn't want to tell anybody. Um, my husband was a police officer. And, um, you know, and I owned a daycare. And I just, you know, I could take them and nobody knew anything about it. It just helped me um, get through the next moment of life because it was just so hard. And then um, that, when he called me out of it, I knew he was serious, and um, I don't know why I obeyed him this time, but I did, and, um, and it led to where I'm at today, and so I didn't really recognize the Holy Spirit. I never heard his voice other than conviction, so when I'm, I was baptized at nine and saved, and then all through my life, I would, I would feel the conviction of the Lord of my sin, but that was about it. I never really laid down sin didn't really know that that's what you had to do. 
um, because everyone sins. That's what everybody says. Everyone sins. So, you know, everyone falls short. That's what you hear Christian people say all the time. And so you justify your sin, and you, you, just, you just don't think that you have a responsibility as a follower of Christ to lay your sin down. And so this was the beginning of my journey of walking in the Spirit, of living in the Spirit. I, that was so foreign to me. I'd been in church my whole life, and I had no idea how to even go about that. Like we hear all the time, you're to live in the Spirit, you're to walk in the Spirit. But how do you do that? Especially when you don't see your sin, because we don't see our own sin. We're good, you know? If you look at yourself, if you self-evaluate, it's hard to see your sin because Satan deceives us. He makes us think that we're good. He masquerades as an angel of light, and so he's not going to come full force on you, and, and you're going to see him. He is so clever and crafty. But from where I was in my grief, I was at rock bottom. And so um, I'd never heard his voice. I just felt his conviction. And so I was hearing this voice in my head, like, we're done. We're done with this. This is what we're going to do. And I mean, for six months, this was right when COVID hit, too, because, like, after I detoxed off pills, the Lord began to speak to me because he had a mighty work for me. But he, we had a long way to go. Um, and so <clears throat> a couple nights, I would be out. I have goats. I was going to put a, a picture of Alma Jean up here, but I didn't think that would be very appropriate. She's my very first goat that I ever owned. Um, but my goats are therapy to me, um, and so I love all of them. Um, my husband does not share the same love for them at all. Um, Alma Jean is, is uh, she is the queen of my herd, and she has got me through much depression. But one night, um, I was up, we kind of live on a hill, and so I was up feeding my goats, and I was sitting against the fence because I was in a secret addiction. I was detoxing, and that doesn't, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't go to rehab. I should have. I probably should have had some medical um, attention, not just someone to watch over me because, I mean, there were, there were minutes that I thought I'm going to have to tell my husband because I think I probably need to go to the hospital because I was just so sick, nauseous, and sweating, and shaking, and headaches, and just everything. And I was crying out to the Lord, and um, I heard a voice, but it wasn't the Lord's. It was, it was Satan or a demon. And uh, he was having his way with me. He was telling me who I was. He said that, that I was phony and I was a fake and I was a hypocrite and that I would never be able to teach about Jesus ever again. I'd blown it. I'd gone too far. There was no way anyone was ever going to trust me, that I, had, I was a disappointment. You know, everything that he tells us that we are. And, I mean, I was so shameful, so full of guilt because I knew better I knew what the Word of God said, but I had gotten, the world just got so hard. I mean, I, I was in a business that was, at the time, um, was falling on hard, you know, times because, you know, funding was gone, and I had three families that I was supporting, and it was just he so heavy on me. My marriage wasn't great. My kids were smart alecks and didn't mind their moms, and you know, so it was just everything was hitting me at one time. And not you. You weren't the one, okay? <clears throat> so um, life just just hit me. It, was, it wasn't anything that I expected. I didn't prepare for it. 
Um, no one told me I needed to prepare for it. And so I found myself just really depressed, and Satan was, was having his way with me. And I remember that night, and there's, this is a, some of you, there's some young kids in here, but like most of you all have watched Tom and Jerry, and, and this is the, this literally is the way it is. You know, in Tom and Jerry, there was always the devil and the angel that would sit on their shoulder. And so that is exactly what it was. On one side of me, I had the enemy telling me who I was, and then all of a sudden, somebody else entered the conversation. And it blew my mind, because I'd always heard that God would come in and rescue people, you know, when they're on the verge of suicide or, or you know, in third world countries and stuff like that. And so I, I had no idea that I, he was going to he was going to come after me. But he began to tell me who I was, and it wasn't like I had memorized any Bible verses because I I don't really know that many Bible verses. Um, but it was the things that I had learned throughout my life that I had heard, and he said, "I choose you." Before the foundations of the earth, I chose you. I want you. I created you. You're my masterpiece. And I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. And, and for a moment, I was like, I have lost my mind. I, I, I'm a, Either that or there's seven demons in me or something because I was not familiar with hearing a voice of the Lord speaking to me directly. And, um, and so, finally, um, I realized what was happening. And it was like before my eyes. It was almost like kind of a, like an out-of-body experience kind of. I could hear, I was hearing what Satan was saying, and then all of a sudden I was hearing, I will restore you, and I will be the one who tells you what you will and will not do. I'm your father, and you are my daughter. And when he said that to me, I didn't have a dad, an earthly dad. And so that is what just captivated me. And my pastor has taught me to say that I am the daughter of the Most High God. And I could not believe that this God who created the earth cared about little old me, you know? I had heard it in church and that you're special and all this stuff. Jesus loves me, this I know. But to really apply it to my life, and to really believe it. I always say people believe in God, but they don't believe God's word, and they don't apply it to their life. Because no one, it's, when you look around, you're, you're looking for fruit. That's what Jesus says. You will know them by their fruit. And I think we have a misunderstanding on what fruit is. It's not what position you hold in the church. It's not how many people you've brought to Jesus. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And that's what the Holy Spirit gives you. And so, like, I'm looking around, and I'm not seeing anybody live the way that what the Bible calls to do. And so, the Holy Spirit started on that night. That night, that conversation changed my life. He came after me. He pursued me. He found me, and he rescued me out of a dark pit that I thought I would never get out of. And when you've been delivered, <laughs> it changes you. When you think that you are stuck in that situation or in that sin, that it has its grasp on you so tightly that there's no way you can get out of it. When you've been delivered from that, when he comes and says, you're mine, it, it changes everything. And so I started on a journey of learning from the Holy Spirit, still secret. I was still detoxing. It took me about eight months to actually be healthy. Um, my, my body, I would, I would 
roll in the grass outside um, because my body was screaming for the pill, you know. It, it wants what it wants. Our flesh is strong. And so once I got past the detox part, there was still grief. Everybody thought I was grieving. And so it was easy to, to hide from my family until the Lord said, I need you to tell your husband. And I thought, oh, Lord, he will leave me. You know, he will leave me. Um, and then he didn't. He should have. He should have. Some would have. But he didn't. And I just thank the Lord for that. And then you start, you're just grateful that the Lord didn't take that away. And then I confessed to my children and there were many more sins after that. There was many more sins because when that didn't work for me, Satan went deeper into myself, into my desires, things that I had hid real far down that I didn't even think I struggled with anymore. And he came after me with those things. And so I, standing on this side of it now, I realized that he was cleaning my vessel. You know, the revealing of your sin is painful. And so, so I want to talk a little bit about... Um, how do we do that? How do we live in the Spirit? What we're, we're supposed to live in the Spirit. We're supposed to lay our sin down. But how do we do that? What's that look like? So the very first thing you have to understand is that the Holy Spirit is, is, a God, is God. But he's also a person. He has feelings and emotions. And he has a will and a desire. And we, don't, we have forgotten about him. Like everybody focuses on God and Jesus. And that's great. God created the earth. And he created everything for us, and he's a good, good father. And he sent his son because he loves us. And Jesus, he came and died and took our place. And he is king of kings and lord of lords. But right now, he said, and Jesus said, I have to go away. But I'm going to send somebody that's going to help you. We have forgotten about him. We focus on Jesus and God. And we don't focus on the Holy Spirit. And it's his time right now. He's the one who leads us, guides us, counsels us, comforts us, conforms us to be Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is our model. And so the Holy Spirit conforms us to be like Jesus through the, through the truth that's in God's word. And so we don't understand that. That's so hard for us to understand. Um, it was a lonely road because after I had confessed, you know, um, my kids... I wasn't like this prior four years ago. I've always loved Jesus, but I wasn't a Jesus freak. You know, I wasn't talking about Jesus all the time. I wasn't consumed with Jesus. I wasn't listening to sermons. I wasn't in the Word. And now the Lord was transforming my heart because that's what He does. He doesn't. He He delivers you from sin, and then He changes you. He doesn't leave you like the world. So my biggest thing is when people say I'm saved, and I'm think, but where's the evidence of your faith? Because you look just like everybody else. That's not, that's not the work. Of, you're not more powerful than the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into your life and transforms you. He, he, reveals you, he reveals to you your sin, and then he gives you the strength to lay it down. What we don't do is we, we ignore him. We don't focus on him. We don't ask him to reveal us our sin. Because when he reveals your sin, a lot of times we just say, oh, gosh, I was caught up in gossip again. I just, Lord, forgive me. But there's more than that. It's called laying it down, stopping it. And that's the disconnect of the church today. We've got a lot of people walking around saying they're Christians, acting like the world with no fruit in their life. 
And on the day that Jesus comes back, they're either going to be left behind and be like, Lord. You know, and, and when he stands, you know, a lot of people is going to be expecting heaven, and he's going to say, depart from me. I, I never knew you, but Lord, I prophesied in your name. There's a lot of people who think that they're saved because they went down for, they went forward and talked to the pastor, and they believe. Well, if you believe, then your life looks different. If you believe in Jesus, then you obey his commandments. There's no, there's no if, ands, buts about it. A lot of people struggle with my teaching because I'm very bold. I don't sugarcoat much. Um, I have some TikTok followers here that have traveled. <laughs> and uh, I'm very bold on TikTok when I teach. Um, and it's different. A lot of people don't like it because they... They, they want the sugar coating because laying down your sin is hard work. It's war. And no one ever prepared me for war. Nobody ever prepared me for war. I did not know that I was at war with myself. I thought the enemy was the enemy, and that's who I was at war with, until I learned about the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh rocked my world. I had no idea that my flesh wanted everything that was against God's word. And when your flesh wants something, it wants it. It doesn't matter that it's against God's word or not. And so I heard a pastor one time, when, when I started studying on the desires of the flesh, I heard a pastor say, Deny your, start denying your flesh. So I was like, oh, okay, I got this. Because, you know, I still did. I thought I, I thought I was good. So I denied myself some food and chocolate and things like that. And he said, wait and see how you react. Well, most of us have been on a diet before, and you know how your body reacts. You get angry. You get the shakes. You get headaches. Like, it's almost a near-death experience when you deny your flesh from something. That's how powerful you're. It's not the, just a diet. It's with anything. Whatever your flesh desires, and you know what your flesh desires. Your, our, our flesh, is, it, it desires different things. Some desire, and it might not always be bad things. Some people desire food, but too much food or too much shopping. Our flesh what, wants what it wants. And, and when you deny it, it becomes angry and acts like a two-year-old. I always say mine acts like a donkey because, I mean, it wants what it wants. And you are in full-blown battle when you deny your flesh of something. And so I studied, never studied the Word of God before. I had, I had it, it was just, I was playing church the whole rest of my life before I was delivered. And um, so I got in the Word and, and started studying the, the flesh, and I just could not believe it. I could not believe that my flesh was so against the spirit. And I was like, well, how in the world am I going to, if, how do I do that? How do I fight that? Well, I knew that I needed help and that I was going to need a full armor because it's a war. It's a battle. It's a battle to lay down sin. And, and you do have an enemy who fights against you. So when you go to lay down sin, when the Holy Spirit, when you listen, when you finally hear the Holy Spirit, because I mean, if you think about it, do you hear the Holy Spirit? Have you heard the, the, the voice of God. I mean, really, truly, has he ever convicted you to lay down sin? Obedience is where it is. It's not just about being convicted and asking for forgiveness. It's about walking in obedience, laying that sin down, 
no matter how hard it is. It may be, for men, it could be golf, too much golf if your husband plays too much golf. And, you know, I mean, that's anything in excess is too much. It's a sin. It might be gambling. It may be porn. It may be gossip. It may be your, your mouth. It may be your attitude or your mood. He will convict you of all that. He will convict you of your health. Because he's, once he starts convicting you, you start hearing his voice, and you're like, okay, okay, Lord. Now, it's not easy to do. It's, it's a, some, some sin took me longer to lay down, and some sin was harder to lay down. And it's not something that you can just lay down in two weeks. It takes faithful prayer and a plan, and it takes, and the Holy Spirit, one thing I love about the Holy Spirit is that he is so understanding and you know the shame that Satan wants you to have when you fail? The Lord just says, get back up. His voice says, get back up. We'll do it again. Let's try it again. You know, but he wants us to live in shame because he doesn't want us to lay it down. But the, the thing you have to understand about laying your sin down is that we are, we are called to be conquerors and, and overcomers. So it's never to just practice sin. Never to practice sin. The sin in your life is to be meant like is meant to be laid down, and that's gossip. I mean, if you've never studied the desires of the flesh, I challenge you today to go home and read the desires of the flesh. It will, it will blow your mind. I fell in every category except, like, orgy. That was it. It's like, you know, didn't fall into that one. But, <clears throat> you know, because you've you got adultery, if you look at another man, you've committed adultery. If you've hated another woman, You've committed murder. I mean, it's a big deal. But Satan doesn't want us to know that. Oh, it's okay. You can look. Just don't touch. No, that's not what Jesus says. It's to be made serious. And so the Holy Spirit, I love the fact that he was the only one to teach me. Because he taught me how to be in his word. I'd never, never, I'd always fall asleep. You know, you always fall asleep. You always get sleepy when you start reading the word or you start to pray. That's the enemy. And I would look at other people and I would think, God, I want to be like them. I want to be like them, you know. It doesn't come easy for anyone. It is a training. It is a training. It is not something that just, I mean, it, I started out really, really barely reading, listening to sermons, praying a little bit. And now I'm consumed. My husband's like, Christy, you're obsessed. And I am. I'm obsessed with the Word of God. I can't get enough of it. I had to pray and ask him to give it to me. But, when, but that's what the Lord does. It's not that you're walking around being like, I can't drink a margarita. It's not, it's not that. That's not what you're doing. Or I can't do this or I can't do that. You have been filled with something to replace that. And that's the peace and the joy that comes. Yeah, it, 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 sometimes it would, it would be okay to, to have a drink. But then you think, I want Jesus more. You, you fall in love with who he is, and that changes sin. It's no longer, it grieves you more when you find yourself in sin than it does him. I mean, I know it grieves him, but like you hate to be caught in sin because you love him so much. You don't want to hurt him. You don't want to sin. So everybody thinks that you're, it's this to-do list of, oh, I can't do this, I can't do this. Listen, it's not. You fall in love with him. And, and you do not want to. He fills your life with so much more than what that sin could ever give you. It will never be enough. It will never fill you enough. It will ne- it, it, and that's what the world gives. It's counterfeit. 
It lasts for a minute. You might be happy and jumping around and acting silly for a minute, but it goes away. And so the desires of the flesh, I could not believe that I was my own enemy and that I was going to have to fight my own flesh. And so I knew that I needed a plan, a plan of action. You, you don't fight the enemy without a plan. I didn't even know who the enemy was. I thought, I know it's Satan, but I don't really know much about him. I mean, I know that he was Lucifer and that he fell and he rebelled and all that stuff. I know all that little talk and stuff like that, but I need to really study him. And so I began to understand that he takes the desires that are inside of me, and that's his ammunition. And so I started writing down what my desires were. That was the hardest thing for me to do, to admit to yourself how ugly you are on the inside. Because none of us deserve heaven, and it is only by the blood of Jesus that we are going. Because deep down inside of us, we are an ugly, ugly, fleshy person who wants the desires of the world. And so when I realized that that's what he was fighting me with, I was like, oh, my gosh. It was hard. It took me a minute to understand this walking in the Spirit and laying stuff down. Um, but I researched everything that the— that, um, that the word of strife, the word of adultery, the examples. We did a study on the podcast, and we were like, this is, I mean, it took a two-part, um, took us two parts to, to get through because that's how deep and, and hard we studied the desires of the flesh. But I began to uh, reading God's word, and, and, it, and it would say that if I lived by the Spirit, that I would not carry out the desires of the flesh. So I really needed to know how to live by the Spirit because I didn't want to carry out the desires of the flesh. I'd been on the battlefield. If you don't have a battlefield, I suggest you get one. I didn't have a battlefield. Mine just happened to, to happen because I, I'm a sky watcher. I love to be outside looking at the sky. And I was outside with my goats anyway. And so I would just start praying. And the Lord, that was my battlefield. I can, re, I can walk out on my field and, and look, and I'll be like, right there is where I won that battle. Right over here is where I won that battle. And you start to, it becomes intimate and impersonal, and like it's the most precious thing that you could ever have is a place where you go to battle and prayer for your life and for your sin. And so I started looking at Bible study. It wasn't like I was just reading the Bible through in a year. I mean, that's great if you did that. But I was fighting for my life. When you realize how entrapped you are in sin and how we've been deceived by Satan, and that he wants to steal, kill, and destroy us, everything about us, your children, your spouse, and yourself, and your family. He wants to destroy you, and he will use whatever your desire is in you, your sin, your struggle. That's what he's using. So I needed to take that weapon away from him, and boy, did it tick him off. He came at me full fledged. I mean, he was on me, and I fell a couple times. I got cocky, and I fell down a couple times, um, fell into sin, had to repent, but it was the revealing. And so, like, for example, I'll use my addiction. If you're in addiction, if addiction is in many forms, food, shopping, porn, drugs, alcohol, your cell phone, anything that you're addicted to that takes your place, takes the place of the Lord, that's addiction. And so... If you're caught up in that, let's say alcohol, 
you may get a DUI. If your struggle is gossip, which we all fall into, us women get really, that's easy to fall into. Our mouth is, the tongue is so easily abused. You'll get caught talking about your friend and be confronted, and you may lose your friend. Because there's, there's consequences for your sin, so the Lord gives and he takes away. And so sometimes in his discipline, he takes things away from you, like, your, like a friendship or something. And so you're thinking, you know, this is, this is, I've just ran into bad luck. No, you're under the hand of discipline because of your sin. And not always when things get taken away is it discipline. But you have to look at, I always tell people, what is the sin in your life? I had a lady contact me, and she was like, I'm just storm after storm after storm. Satan's coming after me. And I'm like, well, how's Satan getting to you? It was because of the sin in her life. She needed to clean her sin up. You can't, you got to lock every door. You cannot let him in anywhere because he will take advantage of it. He will grab a hold of anything that he can grab a hold of. And so if you have a secret sin, which we all do, that no one knows about, and, and a lot of times what I had done in my life is I had stuck it so far down in me, I didn't even think I struggled with it. But he had to reveal it to me, and it was painful. And he convicted me of it, and he convicted me of it, and he convicted me of it, and I had not learned that I better listen to him the first couple times or he will hand me over to my sin. And no one thinks that that happens now, but it does. When he convicts you of a sin that he wants you to, and, and like that's the hardest part is hearing the Holy Spirit. That's why it's important to hear the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to think, like, do you hear the Holy Spirit? Does he tell you to lay your sin down? If you don't hear the Holy Spirit, there's two things. Either you're so wrapped up in the world or you're not saved. Because you should hear, Jesus says, my, my sheep, they know my voice. You should hear your shepherd. So if you're not laying your sin down, we have a problem. Everybody, we have to lay our sin down. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. It's sanctification. That's the whole process. And so it took a minute. It took, I mean, I'm four years into this. And, and I thought I had laid three big sin down, my chosen sins, what I say, the chosen sin in my life, the, the things that I wanted to participate in. My husband and I both were big bachelor and bachelorette fans, and we loved it. But when I started filling myself with the Word of God, that stuff became trash to me because it was completely opposite of what God said marriage should be. I couldn't watch it. And, you know, my daughter and my husband, they, they watched it for a little bit longer, and then David stopped watching it. Because when you start filling yourself with God's Word, you start recognizing the trash in your life. And you can't. You can't keep it there. The music that you listen to, it's gone. You can't listen to it. You can't fill yourself with, with the Word of God and then go live like the world. It's impossible. And so that's why I tell people all the time, if you're not in the Bible— then you're living like the world. You're being deceived right now. If you don't read your Bible, if you don't know God's Word, you don't know who God is because this is how He tells us who it is. I love His Word. I love His Word. And, you know, um, I'm, I hold on to things so much, so much. And Chris, uh, we had lunch one time, and she kept telling me that she's a giver. She gives things away. And uh, she said, you need to give your Bible away. I was like, no, not ever going to happen because that Bible was my lifeboat. 
I had wrote in it, and I had highlighted it, and I had done all these things that helped me get through my darkest storm. And so I was like, I'm never giving my Bible away. I'm going to keep it. And so I was preparing for this message. The Lord's like, I want you to give your Bible away. And I'm like, what? No, that's, that's not the Holy Spirit. When you hear his voice, you know when he's serious. And so I told Chris, she was doing my hair the other day. And I said, I'm kind of mad at you. And she was like, why? And I said, because I'm giving my Bible away at the conference. And she just got real teary-eyed. When you start hearing the Holy Spirit's voice, you begin to obey. It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter how precious that item is to you. When he says to do it, you do it. Wherever he says to go, you go. Whatever he says, whoever he says to minister to, that's who you do. And so this is an act of obedience. And so I have talked to several people over this conference, and the Lord... I thought I knew who I was, what, how, what I was going to do. And as soon as I was talking to people, um, the Lord's like, her. And so, Amber, will you come up? So, this is Amber from Elizabeth Town, yep, Kentucky. And I want to give this to you. And I, this is my most precious thing. I want you to know that. It's highlighted. Chris told me it's a road map, and I've highlighted it, and I have, um, it's got my family tree in it, so, you know, you can, like, rip those pages out, but, like, um, my favorite verses, and this got me through my darkest, darkest nights. Uh, It's got chocolate on it, probably some food, makeup, so when you're done with it, pass it on or whatever, but I wanted to give this to you, so. Right. <laughs> well, I met I met her over there, and uh, she struggled with addiction as well. So she's got a testimony, and uh, so there you go. Thank you. That was hard. That was hard. Um, I love my Bible, and I got a new one. It's a John MacArthur Bible. And um, I'm going to mark it up, and I guess I'm going to have to give this one away, too, sometime. But it, I just got it. But um, your Bible will get you through your darkest moments. It's the most precious thing that you could ever have in your life is the, God, is the Word of God. I don't know what, where I would be without it. It gives me hope. I don't know how many times I went out and would cry to the Lord, and He would lift my head. He's like, there is no more shame. There is no more guilt. You're forgiven. But the enemy, he comes after you. And he wants to just keep reminding you of who you are. Um, you know, when we, when we start to be convicted of our sin, we justify our sin. Oh, it's not that bad. I'm not that bad. I, so-and-so's worse than me. We put it in a box, and we gl- shake some glitter on it, and we put a ribbon on it, and we hold on to it as long as we can until the Holy Spirit's like, I want you 
out of the sin. And so how do we do that? How do, how do I hear the Holy Spirit? And the biggest problem that I get asked all the time on social media is, I don't hear my Holy Spirit. And so, one, you're either not saved, or two, you are so engulfed in the, wor- in the world and you're not reading your Bible. You will not hear the Holy Spirit if you are not reading your Bible. That's how he speaks to you. He doesn't speak to you about just, oh, the weather or whatever. I mean, I've had, the, I've had him explain things to me in my thoughts. There'll be thoughts that aren't my thoughts. That's, how he, that's what he does. Things will come to your mind that you, that was not me. And so, and he explains things to me. So, you have to get in the Word. There's no other way. I mean, I wish I could sugarcoat it, but I can't. It, it's, there's no other way. That's how he speaks to you. He speaks to you about the truth of Jesus Christ in the Word. He's never going to just tell you random things. He's going to remind, he reminds you of the truth. So when you're in a, in a storm of life or you're trying to figure out about a job or you're trying to do this or you're trying to do that, he's going to remind you, kind of like the bracelet, what would Jesus do? He reminds you of the word, of the truth. That's what he does. And so how in the world can we talk back to him? Prayer. So you have to be in the word to hear what he says, and then you have to pray so you can talk to him. Those are two things that the enemy attacks us with, keeps us from, keeps us busy. This world entertains us, keeps us out of this book, because if you get in this book, your life changes. He transforms your heart by the word. And I will tell you that you will not move an inch from where you are right now. If you've been in ministry for 10 years and you're in the same spot, that's not how he works. He moves you forward. So if you've been in ministry and you're in the same spot, you need to get in the Word of God. Because he will move you constantly. Or you have some sin in your life that you need to deal with. There were, there were three things that I had to lay down. And he told me, we're not moving. You will not teach until you lay them down. And we didn't. And I would say, Lord, why are you not, why are we not moving? And he was like, because you, you're still holding on to this. You have total control of, of when, we, when we move forward. It's all up to you. He, I mean, and, and we did. So when I finally laid that third sin down, he called me to the table. We went to the picnic table. Now, he still convicts me of sin. And I have learned that either I learn to obey him immediately, which is almost impossible because, first of all, you have to realize that he's telling the truth because you don't believe it. You're like, oh, I don't really struggle with that. And then when you blow up on somebody with anger, um, you're like, maybe, maybe I do have a little bit of anger, you know, um, because what the Holy Spirit does, he gives you gifts, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. I'm probably not saying them in the right order, faithfulness. Self-control, I probably forgot one. But those are the gifts. That's the fruit that you are to look for in everyone's life. Not how many people they've led to Christ. Not what position they hold in the church. Because your heart is, is what's important. You can lead people to Christ and not be saved yourself. But if you have the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit has given you those gifts. That's the fruit you look for. 
someone who's kind and loving and peaceful and faithful. And it comes out in their actions. Those are the people you want to surround yourself with. I've seen pastors lose it on the ball field. You know, they need a little bit more self-control. Now, I'm not saying that I'm I'm, I'm a a wild sportsman. And, uh, you know, self-control was hard for me. I would tell my husband, I don't have self-control. I don't have, that's why I was an addict. And there was a lot of things in my life that the Lord revealed to me that I did not have self-control with. And so those are the good gifts that the Holy Spirit's giving you. And it is so you can live this life of peace and joy that we're supposed to live. I used to tell a friend one time, I said, where's this life abundance that he promises? You know, I'm struggling. There's no, I don't see anybody living a life of abundance because nobody's living in obedience. No one's laying sin down. And I know that's a hard lesson. It is a hard thing for me to stand up here and say, you need to look into your life and, and see what your sin is. Because it's something, because you know when it's revealed, you've got to do something about it. So the model is Jesus Christ. And so the Holy Spirit conforms you to become Jesus, not exactly like him. You'll never be sinless, but you will sin less. He restrains you from the sins that you want. He gives you strength and the courage to lay it down. Understand that when you start and you figure it out, it's, it's, a, it's a training process. A lot of people, I used to think that whenever you would come to Christ, salvation was the end of it. Like, oh, man, we got them saved. We're done. Let's just wait on Jesus to come back. That's the beginning. That's the beginning of your journey. Because you can come just as you are. You don't have to lay down any sin. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to do anything. You come just as you are. But he will not leave you that way. And that is Satan's biggest lie to us, is that we just think we're good. We're good. There's, there's no responsibility whatsoever on us. It's hard work. It's a battle. You are in a war. And so I'm helping you, I want you to understand that I want to help you see that it won't just be one battle that you fight. It will be battles for the remainder of your life. But the fact that you're here, that you're sitting here at this conference, is proof that the Lord, he's not done. He has a plan for you. He has a mighty work for all of us. We just don't believe it because Satan has lied to us and told us that we're just normal people, that we're not anybody special, that we don't have any kind of influence. And what you have to understand is he has placed us strategically in the life that we are. You work where you work. Your kids go to school where they go to school. You go to church where you go to church. Because there's people in your life that need to be led to the Lord. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few because we are so engulfed in our life. We're looking for our next house that we want to live in, or the next clothes we want to buy, or the next car, the next cell phone. And, And our life is just more, more, more instead of less of us and more of Jesus. And so Jesus is not the Lord of our life. He's not. I mean, we are fooling ourselves. And, and, and I stand here today because I have been deceived as much as you all have. If Jesus is not the Lord of your life, where you put him first before everything. There's a lot of people I know, this front row right here, canceled all their plans today. Jesus is the Lord of their life. Not that for the, everybody else who had plans that Jesus isn't. 
But you will make a way. You will be more intentional with, with your decisions, where you spend your time, where you spend your money, what, what you do, who you spend your time with, when Jesus is the Lord of your life. I was going through life surviving whatever life threw at me. And now I'm not. We're, our world is so horrible right now. And I have so much joy and peace. Everybody that I'm around that's not a Christian, they're freaking out. They're, they're chaotic. They're in chaos. They're just scared to death. And I'm like, I'm good. My daughter will tell me sometimes when I have to close the daycare, she'll be like, aren't you scared? I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not scared because I know who goes with me. I know who goes before me. And I know that nothing is going to happen to me unless he allows it. That is peace. There's no more anxiety over medical. If I die of a heart attack right now, I know the Lord has, has planned that for my life. We all have a clock above our head. You were born at the right time, and you will die at the right time. And no vaccine or no heart pill. I'm not saying that you shouldn't take medicine, but I'm just saying you, we get so caught up in this worldly stuff that we think we've got to do this in order to stay alive. We've got to do this. You will die when the Lord says you will die. And there won't be another day or another second added to your life. So stop worrying about it. He is sovereign. And when you take that worry away from, I mean, you're, you're just, you're calling him a liar. I, I struggled with panic attacks for 10 years. I could not drive after 6 o'clock. And I, talk about being held captive. It was, it was awful. It was awful. And I never dreamed that I could ever drive my kids to the mall or, or whatever. And, and he's delivered me from that as well. A lot of people who have anxiety and depression, why do we have anxiety and depression? It's because we worry and we're anxious. And I used to laugh when they would say, cast your anxieties on the Lord. I'd be like, I have anxiety right now. Like, he's in heaven, I'm here, there ain't nothing he can do about it. I could just, young and dumb, you cast your anxieties on the Lord. And I'm not saying he's going to go poof, because you got to work for your stuff. This stuff, he's, he, is, he can make anything happen, but you're going to put the work into it. Because if you don't put the work into it, it's not going to mean anything to you. You're going to go, if, if I didn't struggle with addiction and detox and all of that stuff right there, I went back to it. I needed to feel what it felt like to come out of it. I needed to, to be in that moment. I needed to fight for my life. I needed to feel everything in order not to go back there. It's a lesson. It's a training. And so what the Lord does is he uses all these little small storms in your life, like your anxiety and depression and things like that. He uses those. You conquer them, and then you're ready for the next storm. You're never going to be on a mountaintop constantly. It's storm after storm, and you're enduring. And the Bible says the one who endures is saved. So we have to learn to endure. We don't endure. We're, we complain about our struggles. We complain about the things that we go through in this life. Like they're horrible. Like, oh, gosh, I'm going through this again, or I don't have any money or whatever. The Lord is either trying to get your attention or he's preparing you for the next battle. Because if you, don't, if, you don't, if you don't endure the storm, then you can't win the next battle. And that's what it's about. It's enduring the storms of this life. Um, and then the, there's two other things. Um, we've talked on the back of this little um, brochure here that Casey, she's not in here, I think she's in childcare, But um, there's a cup 
And this is a Pastor Lee. Listen, I teach about Pastor Lee on TikTok every Sunday. Everybody on my TikTok channel knows how much I love my pastor. And so I just learned so much from him. And he started talking to me about a cup. He was teaching about a cup. I'd never heard it that way before. And he said, each one of us have a cup. And we're responsible for what goes in it and what we we keep out of it. It's our responsibility. We focus so much on the outside of the cup. We want it to be shiny and bright. We want it to look pretty, you know, so everyone can see the outside of the cup. But do you know when you stand in front of Jesus that he's not even going to talk about the outside of your cup? He's going he's gonna to ask you about the things inside your cup. Like, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this better? If you make it to heaven. He anoints our head with oil, and, and then, he's, then Pastor Liette said, and then what happens? Our cup runs over. Who doesn't want their cup to run over? When you're so full of something that it overflows into everyone else's life, I always say the, the people who have healed and laid sin down, they heal everyone around them. And that's true in my life. I'm not completely healed. I'm not up here tooting my own horn. I have battled the battles. My children, my husband have witnessed me battle. I have fought for who I am today. I've trusted the Lord. I've walked in obedience. And he has taught me that this is the way. This is the way that he was talking about. It is hard. It is narrow. And a few find it. But I'm telling you today, it's walking in obedience, walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit. That is the way. That is the way for true abundance of life, peace, and joy. Because all sin does is just mess your life up. Your cup, you can't fill it with the Spirit of God if it is full of world and filth. And so you have to start emptying all of that filth out of your cup so it can be filled. Um, one thing that I, that I learned, um, I was reading about being filled. Let me get to this real quick. I'm kind of skipping ahead here. Um, the cup's a symbol of your life, and you're in total control of it. He, he anoints my head with oil, and my cup overflows. The Lord not only gives his people what is needed, but he supplies abundance in the midst of difficulties. Filled to the top, spilling over into the lives around you. But we can't be filled with it if it already has sin and pride and self-will. We must empty ourselves of everything that would hinder the Spirit's working in our life. It's only when our hearts are filled with God that we can accomplish all that He desires to do in and through us. Unbelief only sees an empty cup. Doubt debates if the cup is half full or half empty. Half empty. Worry fears the cup will be lost or broken. But faith sings over an overflowing cup. That needs to be your desires to have an overflowing cup. So take care of your cup. Your cup is tied to the shepherd. You cannot separate the cup that it overflows from the hand that pours. Do you understand that? If your cup is not overflowing, it's because it's not connected to the hand that pours. God is the one that pours into your cup. And so if he's not pouring into the cup, there's two problems. You are full of, your cup is full of sin or you are disconnected from the hand that pours. So you have to figure that out. 
Is he the Lord of your life? Does he rule your life? The Holy Spirit is to, we are to take his, he's supposed to take the lead of our life. He's supposed to be in total control, total surrender. We have to empty ourselves. I never understood like crucify yourself. That means your desires, the things that you want, the things that you think you need, your will. And then when you get in God's word and you start reading and you start praying and ask the Lord to show you what his will is for your life, your will changes. It never, his will never comes to your will. Your will goes to his will. And then you begin to, like, drop things. He starts, stop, starts to untwine your arm from the world and your leg because we're captive to sin in our life. And so if, if I could tell you anything today, it would be that it's a total surrender. Because as a Christian, we all have an indwelling spirit that comes upon us at the minute that we believe in Jesus Christ. You don't have to be baptized in it. It, immediately you receive the Holy Spirit. But to be filled with the Spirit is totally different. So we have a lot of indwelled Spirit people around here. But our goal needs to be to be filled with the Spirit. And the only way that you can be filled with the Spirit, it's a constant state. That's the Christian's life. A constant state is to be filled with the Spirit. And I know that a lot of this stuff is hard to understand for some, you know, for some but it's like a bad, in, like, it's a dominating influence. You can be dominated by fear, and you wouldn't go outside because you don't want to go in public. That's the same as the Holy Spirit. You're so dominated by his influence that you don't want to sin. And so what I did when I first um, started learning about the desires of the flesh, I went to and started writing down my desires. No one saw it. I kept it to myself. And I started praying for those desires. Because you know what you struggle with. Nobody else, in the, well, God knows and Satan knows. Because that's his ammunition. And so until you start fighting Satan back, nobody, nobody wants to fight Satan back. You, don't have to under, you have to understand you're in a war. And right now, he's the only one winning. 95% of the time, he wins. Because we don't fight back. So we have to fight back with the Word of God. We have to get us some battle verses. And when he comes after us to tell us, first of all, that we're not worthy or we, not, we, you know, we can't um, do this, then we have to understand we can't do it. We have to have the Holy Spirit to help us. So self-examination is an absolute must. It's one thing that Lisa and I teach all the time on the podcast is that you have to look inside yourself. If you don't self-examine, then you can't see what is really affecting your life? Is it, is it alcohol? I mean, whatever makes you feel good at the moment, that's what, that's what it is. That's your struggle. And Satan will use that to destroy you. He will destroy relationships. He will destroy everything with it. So learning to live in the Spirit is how we as Christians are supposed to live. And there's so much joy and peace that comes with that when you start to lay down sin. And you will win battles. And Satan will get angry. And he knows exactly how to bait your hook. Like in my family, we're a bunch of fishermen. And when we're in Kentucky, we fish with night crawlers. They're big, fat, juicy worms. And that's exactly what Satan does. He, he gets what you want. And he, he don't just stick that bait on, there, on the hook. He, he makes sure that he gets it on there just right. And he waits for the moment. He waits for you to be worn by the world. He waits for you to be tired or someone to hurt you or for you to get church hurt. Okay. He waits for you to get disappointed in somebody or, 
or whatever, and, or stop praying, stop getting in the word, and then he throws that bait out there. And it will entice you. But if you don't know that you, that you aren't supposed to catch that bait, you'll go after it every time. And then you'll be like, oh, gosh, sorry, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. But you don't really take a step to lay it down. When you lay that sin down, there's, that's where your blessings and your treasure come from. And your answered prayer, it's obedience. We teach it all the time. There's so many people praying to God for this and that, living like the world. You're, he hears your prayers. He's not going to answer your prayers with you living like the world. You start walking in obedience, and that's when the blessings just shower down on you. I never had a prayer answered. I tell Lisa all the time, like, I, my prayers never got answered because I was living like the world. Why would he answer my prayers? I wasn't, I was going to church on Sunday, and that was it. But when I started laying sin down, when I started watching my mouth, when I started stop gossiping, when I laid my drug addiction down, when I tried not to lie, I mean, I mean, we could go on and on about all the things that we do because it's so easy because that's what our flesh does. But when I started to learn what the flesh does automatically, that has its own mind, I understood that I was in a full-blown battle. And I needed the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to conquer those sins in my life. And it changed me. And I'm telling you, it's not just for me. It's for you. And so whatever you struggle with, lay it down. Because what God has for you on the other side of you laying it down is far beyond anything that you could ever imagine. I, I tell, like, my, my, the last thing is, like, I always say margaritas because I always loved margaritas. Well, the Lord had convicted me of it. He was like, nope, you're done with those. I'm like, Lord, I'm not even, I don't even struggle with alcohol. Nope, you're done. That was the hardest thing for me to do. But I was obedient because that's what he wants me to do. It's not that I, I, I don't want to do that because that's what my flesh wants. My flesh wants everything the world has to offer. But he has a way that's better for me. And I go kicking and screaming. I'm not, I don't go just, okay, Lord, I'm going to do, like, I throw a temper tantrum. But that's what our flesh does. It's strong. And we have not been taught to tell our flesh no. So sometime this week, tell your flesh no to something and see how it reacts. And then the next week, start with something else. Okay, I'm not going to watch this TV show because I know it doesn't glorify the Lord. I'm not going to listen to this music because I know it doesn't glorify the Lord. And you'll seem like a Jesus freak and people will make fun of you. But let me tell you, eventually... The Lord will come into your life, and he will bless you, and you will have joy, and you will have peace, and, and everyone else will have chaos, and they will be like, what is your hope? What is, what is this? And you're going to say, it's Jesus. Well, I need that. I need that. I need what you, and then there, there starts the conversation for you to help someone else walk in the Spirit. It's obedience. I cannot explain that, shout that, scream that enough. We are called to be obedient women and be in the Word because you can't hear your Holy Spirit if you're not in the Word. And it will be a hard, hard thing for you to do is to get in the Word of God. You will be sleepy. You will be tired. But you pray against it. I don't care if you don't feel like praying. You go outside and you pray. There's times that I'm like, oh, I do not feel like going out here because it's cold. My biggest message from the Lord was while I was praying that he brought something to my mind. Or if I didn't feel like going to church, Lee would bring the word, and it would just penetrate the darkness in my heart. 
He's cleaning our vessel because his whole goal is to use you. So anybody in this room that thinks that they don't have a job for the kingdom, you're being deceived. So if you're not serving somewhere, if you're not a kingdom worker, you need to get up. Because you are a kingdom worker. You are, you are here to further his kingdom. He's coming. And what is he going to find you doing? Sitting down? Not reading your Bible? Not praying? You've got to explain that. You may not be on the great white throne judgment, but you'll be on the Bema seat, and he'll say, you know, why, why, weren't, you, why weren't you doing what I told you to do? That's going to be, and I think that we'll all see blessings that we should have gotten if we would have walked in obedience. I think that will hurt us because we could have had so much more. But Jesus is coming back. And you have to look at your life and be like, what is he going to find me doing? Am I licking my wounds? Am I sad? Am I, have I not forgave somebody? Am I, am I like the world? He's coming He's coming real soon. And what burdens me more than anything is that there's so many people around us that are going to either go to hell or they're going to be left behind. And there's a lot of people just sitting around, not doing anything. I told my husband one night, I said, I don't know why I carry this burden. I cry out all the time. I became a prayer warrior. I was a now I lay me down to sleep Mickey Mouse type prayer, okay? Like I never was a prayer. I'm a prayer warrior now. I love to lift names up to Jesus. It's my most favorite thing to do. I have so much joy being a prayer warrior. And I just, right now, he's just, I'm just marking names off my list. I made a list of people that I was praying for and I faithfully pray for them. And if you love them, you'll faithfully pray for them. It's time to stop being, like, fake. Because right now there's a line being drawn in the sand. You're going to have to pick a side. And when persecution comes, if you're not strong and you haven't prepared yourself, and you, haven't, you don't have the words that are hidden in your heart for battle, you're not going to be carrying your Bible around all the time. And so you're going to, be, you're going to have to know some verses. I don't know the addresses of them, but I can tell you what some verses are. And I will call them out. But if you don't get in the Word and be prepared, you will fall. And that's what I don't want to happen. The wheat and the tares, it's about to shake. And there's a lot of people who think they're wheat, but they're not. And, and it's a self-evaluation. You have to ask yourself, do I, do I believe in Jesus or do I just say I believe in Jesus? Because if you believe in Jesus, you'll be in his word. If you believe in Jesus, you will pray. If you believe in Jesus, you will walk in the Spirit. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it because the Holy Spirit will not allow you to continue on in sin. So if you don't hear the Holy Spirit, you need to have a conversation with him and be like, Lord, do I belong to you? Are you the Lord of my life? If you came back today, would I go with you? My heart is very burdened for the people left behind, for the people who are lost, because they just don't get it. And so the people that we have around our life, it's so important for us to walk in faith, because they're watching us. And if we're not even walking in faith, then why would they want to walk in faith? If we're not standing up for Jesus, 
why would they stand up for Jesus? You know, what, what does he have to offer? We look just like the world. And so I challenge you today to look at your life. Get, it, get everything in order. I know that we all, I mean, I was so deceived. But the Lord has done mighty things in my, in my life. Yeah, he has shown up for me more times than I could ever count. And I'm so thankful for his, I'm, I'm so thankful for his word. I hope this is the most precious thing in your life. And that you're in it every day. Let it, let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for the time that we've spent here today. I pray that everything that I have said, Lord, will help them understand that walking in the Spirit and being obedient is the only way. I pray that the hearts will be moved today. I thank you for everyone who spoke. I thank you for the going before us, Lord, and that you have prepared everything for us today. I thank you for the people that you've brought far away. I thank you for the people who just walked down the street. But I thank you for every heart that is here, and I pray that when they go back to wherever they came from, Lord, that they will go back with a totally different attitude, that they know that you're coming and that you're coming quickly, and that it's time to really get serious about our relationship with you. I love your word. I love the truth of your word. I love to stand on the truth of your word, Lord. It is so precious, and I thank you so much for it. I pray that they're able to pray and get into the word, that their relationship with you will deeper, will go deeper still, Lord, deeper and deeper, that they will have a passion for your word that will push them through the hard times when the enemy is standing there, not wanting them to get into your word and to learn. I pray the Holy Spirit that you will teach them and you will show them the way. Help them fight sin, Lord. I probably didn't do the best job of teaching them how to prepare for battle, Lord, but help them to see the battle that is right in front of them, the battle with their self. Show them their sin. Reveal their sin to them, Lord. Reveal my sin to me. Help me to lay it down and walk in obedience. I thank you so much for Pastor Lee and Cricket and what they mean to me and to this church. I thank you for this church. I pray, Lord, that you pour out your blessings on this church. I pray that you um, will let us have a, a good questions and answer time, Lord, and that you will bring questions to people's mind that they are struggling with and we'll be able to answer before we close out today. But I just thank you so much for going before us and preparing this whole conference for us. Everything was perfect, Lord, as, it, as you want it to be. Your will is perfect. And I just praise your name for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. I forgot I was singing. This is a blessing that Lauren and I want to pray or sing over you. can't look at each other, is that what you said? The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his 
face toward you and give you peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. 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 children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning and the evening in your coming and your going in your weeping and rejoicing he is for you 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 the lord bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord turn his face toward you and give you peace amen amen
Well, that concludes the speaking of our conference. So now we're going to move into like questions and answers. And so Pastor Lee's going to come forward. And the speakers, if, um, if you all want to come up here. Um, if something has touched you and you want to know more about it, this is the opportunity that we're going to let you um, put Pastor Lee on the spot. If, if you have a question, a lot of people's questions are, um, my husband doesn't lead. How do I go about, um, you know, being a woman of faith and, and reaching my husband? Or maybe Chris, you have a question for Chris and her sunshine self. Or Miss Ruthie, if you like her shoes, she may give them to you. I don't know, you know. Um, and then, of course, Liz. So you got Brittany and, yeah. So Lee's gonna. So we're just gonna kind of hang out here. Well, actually, I'm gonna come down. So if anyone has a question, oh yeah, there's somebody else can get a mic. Does anybody have a question they would like to ask Pastor Lee or one of the um, speakers? If not, I mean, oh y'all are good. We answered all your all's questions today. That's wonderful. Okay, we do have a couple door prizes, and then I am gonna let Pastor Lee speak. Um, I'll let him talk today a little bit. So, we want to figure out who came, who drove the furthest. So, I know we've got some people from Ohio. Is there anybody further than Ohio? Okay, so what part of Ohio are you guys from? Mount Vernon. Cincinnati. So, which is further? Do y'all know? How about both of you all just get one? How about, how about there's three? So, just everybody give it. They drove down from Ohio, guys. That's crazy. That, I'm telling you, I just want to give you, I just want to thank you all for that. It's very hard to come to a conference because, you know, one thing I have learned in my walk is that I have to be very intentional because Satan will make me busy. He will put things in my way to keep me from being where the Lord wants me to be. And so that's why it's so important to be able to hear the Holy Spirit, because you have to ask him, Lord, do you want me to go there? Do you want me to be there? Um, he has a plan for you, but so does Satan. And so, um, you know, does anybody else have anything? I mean, I know we've all spoke and done anything before I hand this over to Pastor Lee and we kind of close it out. I just want to thank the, um, the, the girls back here, Michelle, Lindley, that's my other daughter back there. And then, um, well, there's Kylie, and then there's Alicia, and then Brittany. They have done amazing with all the slides and couldn't have done it without it. And then Casey. And then Casey Wisman, stand up, please. She is really, she is the bones behind all this. She, I mean, worked so hard putting all the biographies together, all of everything, the, the brochure that you have. I mean, she just really worked hard, and she's the one that did all this. So um, we just kind of helped or whatever. And then Guarded Heart, we just appreciate you guys being a part of this. It was beautiful. And then Lauren, here's my girl. So, all right. Well, I just thank you all personally. Um, I'll, I'll be out friend if anybody wants to talk or have questions or whatever so the girls or whatever and then I guess now we'll let the man talk or whatever yeah. well let me let me uh, let me just share with you a couple of things if I can uh, real quick and 
one is we've talked a lot about this these last two days about suffering and I want to and, and here's the thing I want to share with you what is the biblical relationship between suffering and joy in other words the question comes about why would the Lord allow us to suffer that's the question and here's what I've come up with the suffering of God's saints is appointed by God so that in that suffering our joy in God would make the worth of God be seen as more precious than what we love when we suffer now here's another suffering is appointed by God to his saints for this purpose so that as we persevere in joy in God through suffering he is shown to be more valuable than what we are losing as we suffer and you know that's that's the thing the other thing I, I wanted to just share with you real quick is I know many of you I don't know how many people in here have a husband that's either not saved or not uh, really sub helping you as far as uh, fulfilling his role as a husband or maybe you got a son or a daughter or some somebody else that is not saved and so what do I do how do I here's a question this this will be really quick but how do I pray how do I pray for that son or that daughter or my husband to get him saved and let me just tell you this ladies nobody ever got nagged into heaven all right and I know he, you want him to be there, but if he's not, then let me just share. And, and I would tell you, if you'll go over to Colossians chapter 4, this is what it's, it tells me, four things that we are to do, Colossians 4. And listen to what it says. It's, first off, continue earnestly in, this is verse 2, uh, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant and with all thanksgiving. Uh, thanksgiving seems to be a great part of prayer, but here's the thing, continue earnestly. You've got to realize that if you're going to win him over or win your son or your daughter over, it's, it's, it's got to be through spiritual battles. You, you just can't force them. I mean, you know, a lot of times churches do a lot of things on, that are not spiritual to try to get people to come in. We get them in, and then all of a sudden those people discuss or they come to a place that they realize that those things don't satisfy, and they're gone again. So this has got to be spiritual, and the only way you can do that is by by prayer. If you ever had, if you ever somebody came to you and said to you, uh, you know, I really been thinking about things, and I'm thinking about the fact that I I really uh, uh, want to come to church, you know, and I really th want to get my life lined out, and then I really want to come to the Lord. And you say, man, that's tremendous, and you say, I tell you what, let's do. Uh, I will meet you at the front door. Oh, would you do that? Yeah, I'll meet you at the front door of the church, and we can set together the church. And you think, okay, it's satisfied. So you wait for them at the front door of the church, and they don't show. Next week, you're looking for them again, and they don't show. All of a sudden, two weeks later, you're in Kroger's, and you run into them. And you say, hey, man, I thought you were coming to church. Well, I got to thinking about it. And, you know, it really wasn't for me right now. Maybe later on or something like that's what they say. Well, what happened to him? I'll tell you exactly what happened to him. Remember that Jesus talked about the sower and how he sows the seed? And it says simply that, that as a result of that, that the birds came. Who are the birds? That's the enemy. 
and it grabbed to that seed. If that seed does not go deep within their heart, this is why I'm saying we got this is a spiritual battle. If that seed does not go deep within their heart, they will not give themselves over to the Lord. And the enemy will come and steal it away. It's got to go deep. Now, he goes on to say this. Uh, meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word and speak the mystery. There's two things. Number one, what are you praying for? Here's what you're praying for. You're praying for God to do the mystery in their heart. What do you mean? You remember this? Here we're back to the sword. Remember the four, the four uh, types of soil that was there? What was one of those soils? One of those soils was, was rich, uh, vibrant soil that that seed went deep and fermented that. That's the mystery. God has got to take their heart and make it tender for the seed to go in there. So you're praying all the time for God to take their heart and make it tender so they will respond. And, and I'm telling you, we make a mistake many times of trying to force people or to get people to do something when they're not ready. And then the next thing he says, simply this, a door of opportunity. Here it is. When I first got saved, I thought I had to witness to everybody. And I'll tell you how long that's been. It was back in the days when I used to put gasoline in your car. You pull in, and I'm just sitting there, and I think, oh, God, i got to get out of here and go back there and talk to this guy. And I go back there, and God's putting gas in my car, and I say, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Huh? You know, I guess. I probably ran off more people than I got to come to the Lord. Why? Because I didn't wait for the door of opportunity. You're waiting until that. I heard a guy one time say, some guy looked at him and all he said to him, have you ever read the Bible? And he said, well, no. And this was in New York City. This was a couple of playwrights. And if I, I can't remember the one guy who was a famous playwright, if I did. But he said, the guy asked me, have you ever read the Bible? I said, no, I haven't read the Bible. And he said, we, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning when he finally left. He said, I went, went ahead and went to bed and said, I'm laying there. And I kept thinking, reading the Bible, reading the Bible. He said, I had to get out of my bed and go get a Bible, and he said, I had to hunt through my house to try to find one, then I had to blow the dust off of it when I finally found it, and once I found it, it says, I, I sat down, I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he said, then I couldn't go back to bed, I had to get out, and I just walked, of course, New York City stays open all night long, walked through the thing, and when I came back, I got on my knees, and I gave my heart to the Lord. Why? Because the mystery was done in his heart, and the door of opportunity happened, even though this guy probably didn't. So knowing when somebody looks at you and says, man, how do you get along with this? Well, I don't know. I, I, you know how, do you, how do you do this? Well, you, then you start sharing with them about how, what the Lord has done in your life, whatever. Now, the other thing it says is, it says that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. People say all the time, well, I just don't know what I would say. Well, no, you wouldn't know what you ought to say because the Lord hadn't given it to you yet what you ought to say. Amen? Because the Bible says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may what? Obtain mercy and find what? Grace in time of need. God in that time of need will give you exactly what you need to say to that person. And it may not be conformed to a certain type of way or whatever, but God will give you the words to say. Now, there, there's, so how do I keep on praying? Do I just keep on begging God to uh, to save that person or whatever? No, let me tell you, give you five things real quick here uh, about what you're to pray. Number one, you're to pray that the Lord would sanctify this person. What are you praying for? You're praying for your husband. You're saying, Lord, I'm praying that you would put a ring around him, and then, God, I'm asking you to get inside that ring with him 
and just whip him to death until he finally wants to holler uncle and come to you. Amen? So sanctify him. What, what are you praying about? Lord, set him apart. Don't let Satan have him. Set him apart that he'll be able to do that. Now, number two, then you pray this. You say, Lord, bless him. Bless him. Well, what do you mean by that? Why the, what's the Bible say? The Bible says that the goodness of God leads to what? Repentance. Now, you remember the prodigal son when he finally he got out of the hog pen, hog pen and he remembered, he remembered what? That the, he, what's the first thing he remembered? He came to himself, yes. But what did he remember? He remembered that the servants in his father's house had it better than he did. He remembered that he was a good father. You want him to say, Lord, bless him, that he'll remember that God loves him and cares for him. And then you're going to pray this. You're going to pray that the Lord convict him. There has to be repentance. You know, we, we just don't come and glad hand a person or whatever. No, there has to be, I think there has to be some remorse that we've sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. Let me ask you this question. Why, why did they hate Jesus? You know, why did they hate Jesus? They hated Jesus. And Jesus even tells the disciples, they don't hate you, they hate me. Why? Because he spoke to their deeds that their deeds were evil. And then when the disciples started teaching the very same thing that Jesus did, they hated them because the word is offensive. You know, the, one of the things that Jesus talks to us about, he tells us that in the word that, when the, when the, the, that some people hear the word for a while and then after so long when tribulation or persecution comes, what happens? They fall away. Why do they fall away? Listen to what it says. For the word's sake. I had somebody email me not long ago about this, the thing of homosexuality because I've spoken out and said some things against it. And, and they say, well, I thought God is supposed to, you know, with God we're supposed to love everybody. No, the Bible tells me that I'm not to love the world nor the things of the world. And I don't care whether you like it or not, there's six times the Bible says it's wrong. It's wrong. I, I love those people. I'm not speaking against them. But when, when this, something like that is wrong, it's wrong. So, Lord, convict them of the sin. Here's the fourth thing. Illuminate their mind. The Bible tells us when we come to Christ, we have the mind of Christ. But l listen to this verse over in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 4, verse 6. And I got one more thing and I'll be through. Uh, 4, four 6. If I can get there. Uh, yeah, okay, here we go. 4, 6. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. Listen to what this says. It says, For it is the, the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. He's commanding that light to go into their heart and give them light in, 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 the, in the darkness of theirs. So illuminate their minds. And the, finally, the fifth thing, pray for God to send more workers to go into the harvest. This is what Christy talked about tonight. That Jesus said, look at the harvest for the worker. The harvest is great, but the workers refuse. You say, well, okay, why am I praying for this? Well, I'm praying, I want to pray for my husband. Because you're praying that somebody at work, somebody that he runs into in a restaurant, somebody on a golf course, somebody else, whatever it is, will say something to him in such a way and be that person that will lead him. The Bible teaches us that there's three types of things that we're to do. One, some people water. Some people sow the seed. And other people do what? They bring in the harvest. So you may not be the person that leads him to the Lord, but, you know, 
it may come to a place that you realize that, boy, just, and, and there's no case that's too hard. Read some of the stuff about Lee Strobel, who wrote the case for Christ. His wife came in and did what? She said to him, I, I'm, I'm going to start going to church. And it upset him. He threw a fit. And then she came back and told him about two weeks later, I'm going forward, I'm going to be baptized. And he looked at her and said, well, if you need that to authenticate your life. And he went to the editor of his paper and did what? He told him, I want to I follow through with this. I want to write an uh, uh, article on one thing, and that is why the resurrection of Jesus Christ is fake. And they let him do it because he was, he, he was the one that discovered what Ford had tried to hide with that memo he went all over the world talking to people resurrection what's Lee Strobel doing today he's preaching and that's what I'm saying don't say that you know I don't see how in the world see this is it God is able they that come to God must do what they must believe that he is God and what here okay I believe that God can do anything all right but what's the rest of the verse say and the what the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So, okay. That's all I got. So, maybe you're here tonight, and, and as we get ready to close out, I guess, uh, if, if for whatever reason you wanted to come forward and come to the altar and pray about something, uh, maybe you just want to come and just tell the Lord that you love him. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I, when I first got, became a Christian, got saved every time the Holy Spirit gave it was every time we gave an invitation I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me go forward and I just went forward and I don't care I, I you know I think too many of us care about too much about what people think and the Bible says in Romans 1 verse 16 I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it's the power of God and salvation everyone who believes to the Jew first and also the Greek so for whatever reason, I don't know what your reason may be. It may be you just say, Lord, some things that happened here this week have touched me, and I really want to give myself over to you. I want this to be the start of some great things. And so uh, maybe you want to come for that reason. Whatever your reason may be, we'd ask you, if you want to come, the altar is open. I don't know why people say that because our altar never closes. But uh, we're open 24 hours, seven days a week. But anyway, but if you feel like you need to come, you come ahead. All right? All right, God bless you. I was a wretch. I remember who I was. I was lost. I was blind, I was running out of time, sin separated, the breach was far too wide, but from the far side of the chasm, you held me in your sight, so you made a way across the grave divide. Left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside. There at the cross, you paid.
beneath the dead I owed, broke my chains, freed my soul, for the first time I had hope. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood of life. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me Inside my tomb of sin, you were buried for three days, but then you walked right out again. And now death has no sting, and life has no end. For I have been transformed by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you. For the blood applied, thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life, brought me from the darkness into glorious light.
weekend. I thank you all so much for coming. It's meant so much to us to be able to tell our testimonies and speak to everybody and get to meet everybody and things and we really hope we get to do it next year. We really hope we're not going to be here. We're praying for Jesus to come any day. I don't know about you but I'm waiting and so I guess we'll either see you next year or we'll meet you in the air. So you all, let me just close with a word of prayer, and um, I pray blessings on your all's life, really. It's, it, it, things like this make us bond. <clears throat> to be, we're united with Christ. We're one. We're one church. So I just want to pray for you as you leave. Father God, I just thank you for this moment. I thank you for these ladies, just this whole conference, Lord. I pray that you have um, spoke to the women. You've spoke to me, Lord. You've used testimonies to help me heal. You've used every uh, Ruthie and Liz and Brittany and Carly and Chris. You've just helped me so much see other people's testimony. Lisa and I, Lord, we're just so thankful for the blessings that you've given us. And we know that we've talked with women who are wanting to, to do a table in their community. And, Lord, I pray that you bless them with that. I pray that they will be able to take back what they have learned this weekend, and it will help move their communities around, other women in their life, to spur each other on, to carry each other's burdens, to encourage one another, Lord. But, Lord, help us most of all to hear your voice. And when you reveal our sin, give us your strength, your courage, your boldness, your wisdom, your knowledge, to help us lay that down and turn from it. I pray that, that everyone has a heart's desire, Lord, to live in the Spirit. And I pray blessings on everyone's life. Please let everyone get home safely, Lord. And please come quickly. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.